0: Because you continue to blow our expectations. Every time, Lord, that we think that we've found the center of your goodness, you take us deeper. We thank you for it, God. And we know something awesome is not only on the way, but we're in the middle of it. Every one of us, every person here, every individual, and every family, God, we're right in the middle of the greatest time of our life. It wasn't our teenage years, God. It wasn't our early 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. It's now, God. And Father, I pray that your word today would go into our hearts and produce what it's supposed to produce. We make room in our heart now for your word. Why don't you just tell Him, I'm making room, Lord? <laughs> In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we are in the middle of a of a series that I've been doing. It's uh, leading where you're planted, and it's not just on leadership. Um, leadership is overrated because if everyone's a leader, then there's no followers, and that's no fun, right? And I, honestly, that's probably most of the problem with a lot of uh, organizations, whether it's church, political, businesses when everyone wants to lead and no one wants to follow it's no fun at all so you can't be a leader if you can't follow period it's impossible and and i just say this if if uh if you're not following someone find someone to follow it's just important hello (laughs) very important and so i'll go ahead and open to first peter chapter two and um we're gonna have there's three different places we're gonna to go today. So if, you might have to get really creative now. Again, I have my Starbucks little stick things they give you. It just again reminds me of how much I owe to Starbucks. I've paid for probably a, a place of my own by now. Where's my franchise license in the mail? <laughs> so first Peter two, um, then Exodus nineteen, and we're also gonna be in Revelation. So we're gonna go all over the Bible whole Bible. So we're going to be in Exodus, we'll be in First Peter, and we'll also be in Revelation. All right. Um, but before we get to that, I wanted to uh, just kind of tell you what I'm thinking today. <clears throat> and um, just kind of my thoughts over the last few weeks and months as I've prepared for this series. Um, I was raised in a specific denomination, and I'm going to mention that today simply because um, you need to know background. It's all I know. 38 plus years of one denomination, one way of thinking. And then my father before me, and his father before him, and their, their his father-in-law before him. Uh, so it's what we know. It's just uh, continual through one specific denomination. And so as we grew up, there was this um, this mindset that we had it all right. And I'm not at all going to dishonor our denomination today, but I want you to hear background. Um there was all these jokes we'd hear Baptist jokes or Presbyterian jokes and they would make their Pentecostal jokes. So, you know, you had those things and whenever raising you just joking, you know, mostly joking. Um, but you're like, Oh, well you, you're Baptist, you can do anything you want. And they'd be like, well, you're Holy rollers. You just pray in tongues. And they would just, you know, there's that little ribbing that would go on. And, um, so as I grew up in this denomination, there were some things that, that it seemed like we have these 16 fundamental beliefs and doctrines yet, how come the Baptist Church does community? They do volunteering and they do outreach way better than we do it. I'm like, it's unbelievable. And so I'm I'm going through this thinking, and I, it wasn't a I'm jealous. It's I'm amazed at how well they do it and discipleship. Add that one to the list. They're amazing at it. They're the best. Hello. And so as I was thinking, I, I was I was like, why is Why are they so amazing at these things, yet we think that we have it all because we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and we pray in tongues or whatever it is, yet they're killing it in these four areas. And these things are difficult for us. We're always fighting to find nursery workers. We're always trying to figure out ways to evangelize and get people at outreach. We can't get anyone to training or Sunday school or whatever you want to call it, yet we feel superior and they're rocking it over there. What's the difference? you guys okay and so I decided that I would look into doctrines and I knew because uh, again I went to the denomination we belong to I went to school at this denomination and I was uh, the only thing I went to school for was for ministry so I have um, every all my schooling is in pastoral ministry and that's it there's nothing else I had some business classes I took but mostly pastoral ministry and so I was trained in our denomination how we're supposed to believe how we're supposed to think. And so I knew our our 16 doctrines that we surround ourselves with. I wanted to see why is it that this, the Baptist or whomever else, there are other churches that do it as well, um, why? And what I found was kind of an aha moment for me. And uh, here's what it is. This is what I found. The Baptist church not only believes in, but they invest in a doctrine that they call the priesthood of all believers. They call it the believer's priesthood. A priesthood of believers and if you look in the the 16 doctrines of our fellowship we 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 hit on it but we don't dive into it till it becomes a cultural thing they do and we have to teach this now this is not a baptist theology this is not something that they came up with as a matter of fact it's mentioned we'll hit them in a moment some scriptures all throughout the bible the priesthood of all believers it's in there and as uh, as a matter of fact when Um, Martin Luther. Does anyone know any church history of Martin Luther, the Reformation, that kind of stuff? Well, when Martin Luther, basically the Catholic Church was the only church really around. And there were some things that some people were like, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense or work for me. And they began to look into the Bible because Gutenberg invented the printing press, which made it now where everyone could have their own Bible. The whole reason they the, invented the printing press was to print the Bible in everyone's language. That was the whole purpose. There was no other reason but to get the Word of God in people's hands. And it created a revolution because all of a sudden, when everyone before had to just take the priest's word for it, they couldn't even open the Bible themselves. Now all of a sudden, they were getting the Bible in their own hands and in their own language, and they were finding out, I'm powerful. The priesthood belongs to all of us, not just one man or a group of men. And it brought this reformation. That's what the whole reformation was all about. Martin Luther was like, wait a second. The control through the hierarchy of the church is what's killing the church and what's oppressing the people. We have to break this freedom. The, the, the love for money and the, and, the, and the indulgences that you had to pay for and the things that came into it, you read into the history of it. Basically, they would say, I would pray for your mom if she's in the hospital or sick, but you have to pay a certain amount of money. And if, 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 if we like the sum, then God will heal her. And it was, those kinds of things were happening. And Martin Luther realized, you're, you're oppressing these people. No, there's a priesthood of all believers. So this is not a Baptist theology. It's a Protestant theology. And what Protestants are, are anyone that broke off from the Catholic Church at that time period, which is Presbyterian, Methodist, Anglican, all the different churches that there are. We broke off from the Catholic Church out of protest to the lack of priesthood of all believers. Everyone's still with me? And this is crucial for us to get as a church. um, Because, um, let me just sum it up for you before we get into everything else. The priesthood of all believers can be summed up like this. Every individual has direct access to God. Why don't you say that with me? I have (laughs) direct access to God. (laughs) I tricked you, huh? The next thing was, um, it wasn't that they just had direct access, but there was no priestly mediation between them and God. The priesthood was important, but it wasn't necessary for people to connect with God. And this is what the priesthood of all believers is all about. The next part of that is that each individual believer shares the responsibility of the ministry. Everyone say, I share a responsibility of the ministry. It's it's not the priesthood does all the work like it used to be in the Old Testament. There was the Levites and the priesthood was set apart. And they specifically were the only ones allowed to minister before God and to the people, all right? So you, you had this whole group of people that was passed on from generation to generation where that's all they knew was how to run the church run the the temple and and what happened when jesus came was hebrews 7 says that jesus became the high priest forever that there's no more need for a priesthood because jesus himself became our priest He became our advocate, our mediator with the Father. And instead of saying, oh, you have to do this to be okay with God, or you have to pray this prayer to get to God, Jesus came and flipped it completely on its head and says, because of me, you can go straight to the Father however you want to. You have immediate access to the throne of God. There's no, you don't have to walk the line. You don't have to do all these specific things to get to God. You don't have to say the right words. Have you ever prayed a prayer that was not the right words, but God heard you anyway? (laughs) I do that a lot. God, these weren't the right words, God, but you know what I mean. You feel my heart. That's what happens here. And so um, it it, it took away that hierarchy that was meant to control and suppress the will of the people. The gifts of the people. And it says, you know what? Not only are the people that vocationally are priests in the ministry, but every one of you that calls on the name of the Lord, you are now adopted into the ministry, and you're a kingdom of kings and priests right now. So not only did they have the responsibility to minister, their ministry was to the other believers, but it was also to the people of the community. All right? Everyone still good? I took this out of um, a, a doctorate paper or something that I read online, and I just want to read it to you real quick and we'll jump into this when when martin luther referred to the priesthood of all believers he was maintaining or saying that the plowboy and the milkmaid could do priestly work in fact the plowing and the milking was priestly work so there was no hierarchy where the priesthood was a vocation and taking care of the farm was not a vocation in other words, this is holy and that's not holy. This is holy and that's secular. This is sacred and this is common. He broke that down when Jesus became our priest. And he says, no, if, you're, if you work as, a, you know, as a, an electrician, it's priestly work unto the Lord. If you work in the church, it's priestly work unto the Lord. If you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad nowadays or whatever it is, you're doing priestly work unto the Lord. There's no separation between holy and secular. Yeah, and he says the reason that it was holy and the reason that it was also priestly work, whether it was in the church or outside of the church, was because both tasks were, were um, accomplished by them doing what their own giftings were. So here's the key to stepping into the priesthood of all believers. Do what you're called to and what you're gifted to do. When you do it, do it as unto the Lord, and it is ministry to God, and it becomes ministry to people. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at. You want to know how I got indoctrinated or introduced into ministry as an intern? We had an old house that I promise you, if it was today, we would be in trouble for the stuff that was in this. It was a house that we just bought, and we had to clean it out. But we just went in. We didn't have the hazmat suits and all the gloves and all the stuff. And we found all kinds of stuff. I don't know if they were making drugs in this house or what. But that was my first job in the priesthood. I, I just got it, hired on as an intern at the church. And this is what I'm doing. I am cleaning this horrible crap hole. <laughs> it's just disgusting. It's the most disgusting thing that you could ever see. And I was like looking at my, uh, my friend. Who was, his name was Rob Moon. He was hired on at the same time. And I was like. Dude, this is nasty. This is not what we sign up for. This is not the priesthood. It is the priesthood. When you vacuum your floor in your house, it's, it's the priesthood. You're serving your family. You're serving God. You're ministering to other people. You work at a bank. It's a priesthood. You're serving people. You're providing a service according to your gifts. You're in the ministry. You're doing God's work. There's nothing insignificant. Nothing you're doing, no, no, no job description that you have is insignificant to God. If you do it according to your gifts, do it with all of your strength and do it unto the Lord. It is ministry to God and to the people you serve. That's the priesthood of all believers. So everyone say this with me. I am in a kingdom of kings and priests. All right, let's read the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander and every other kind of thing like that. Like newborn babies, babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation, now that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. It's just a proper progression here you taste and see the Lord is good now you crave him and then this is what happens after that you taste of him he's awesome then you crave him and then here's the rest as you come to him he's the living stone he was rejected by men but chosen by God and he was precious to God you also he included us here you also (laughs) like living stones like him you're like him You're living stones and you're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Everyone say holy priesthood. priesthood. And then he tells us what our job description is. Now you're offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For the scripture says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be disappointed or put to shame. I love that. That's one of my favorite scriptures. If you trust in the Lord, you'll never be disappointed. That's just a side note. It's just good. It's the truth. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those of you who do not believe the stone, the builders rejected has become the capstone and the stone that causes men to stumble and the rock that causes them to be offended. Let's read on for a little bit more. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But not you. How many, how many remember 1 Peter 2 9? Heard this scripture. But not you. You are a chosen generation. A what? Royal priesthood. A holy nation. You're strange people, <laughs> you're peculiar people, you're a little bit odd. But this has happened so that you may declare the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How good is that? Let's go to Exodus real quick. Exodus 19. Exodus 19, verse 1. Exodus. Moving bunch of people. Uh, I love Bob Marley. I'm sorry. Yaman. Yeah, All right. <laughs> Exodus 19. <laughs> Exodus 19, verse 1. That was awesome. In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day. They came to the desert of Sinai. After they set up for Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Israel, and uh, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you. Listen to how how the Lord speaks of, of what he did for them. How I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you out to myself. If anyone thinks that God was an angry God, oh, the Bible is so full of his love and his mercy and how he speaks of those that respond to him. I carried you like on eagle's wings and brought you out to myself. Oh, now if you fully obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of kings and priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to tell Israel. So even in Exodus, way before Jesus ever came, God's heart was to have a people that could minister to him and to other people. And then I won't go into it, but later you can read in Revelation 1 and Revelation 5, he repeats it. He says, you are now a kingdom of kings and of priests. Everyone, say it again. I am in a kingdom of kings and priests. I'm going to rush through this, all right? You ready? I'm going to revert back to my fast talking. Before we get into these four foundational things for the kingdom of kings and priests, there's something you have to know first and and remember this forever God is our minister, God is your minister. And he loves to minister to you. Everyone say, God loves to minister to me. So what does the word minister mean? If you ask people, what does it mean to minister? We would probably come up with some funny answers. Preaching the word, singing worship songs, serving children, whatever it is. But the word minister literally means to serve or to attend to. To wait at a table and offer food and drink to the guests. That's what ministry is. I wish that someone would have pulled me aside before I entered into that house. Or signed and said I would be an intern for the summer. That they said, you're going into ministry. And you know what I saw? Suits, ties, pulpit, mic, people. I was 15, 16 years old. All right, I get to sit on stage with the ministers we used to do that even when I first met Mandy we had all the ministers and pastors on the stage sitting for all everyone to see all of our glory oh, thank god we're, we're not doing that now but that's what I thought of when I thought of ministry oh I get to sit on the pulpit with all the all the awesome men and a couple of ladies because we we're okay with lady ministers ministry is to serve people it's to serve it's a waiter you're a waiter or a waitress if you minister. It's funny, when we, before we came to this church, I had a dream, and I've told you this before, but I was falling out of the sky, and as I fell from the sky, I, a tuxedo appeared on me, and my hands became wheels, like the wheelers. I always, I always think of the wheelers from Wizard of Oz. And as I was falling, I, I fell into a tuxedo, there was a towel wrapped around my arm, And I began to roll through tables, and I was serving people food. And that's all the dream was. There there was a few other things, but that was the main point of the dream. And that was before we ever came here to be ministers at the bridge. And the Lord was declaring what I was to do. I'm here to serve people. I'm not here to be served. What did Jesus say? I did not come to be served, but to serve. So I came to be a waiter. So God is our minister. He loves to wait on us. Do you believe that? That he loves to serve us? What does Psalm 23 say about the Lord? He's our shepherd. He loves to prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He loves to put us right in the middle of warfare and then set up this banquet table and then God himself dressed in a tuxedo with a towel wrapped around his arm and he serves us food that we need for sustenance and strength. Right in front of all of our enemies, God serves us and ministers to us. When Jesus was speaking in Matthew 11, he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Come to me, and I will give you rest. Come to me, I will minister to you. So I want you to know, first and foremost, that God ministers to us. He is our priest. He serves us. He ministers to us. He gives us everything that we need. Amen? Amen. So now we want to be like him. We just want to do what he does. Everything Jesus did, it's it's interesting as the Lord gives us new revelation and builds foundation upon foundation, revelation upon revelation, to go back and reread the Bible again through the eyes of the new revelation. Because then you begin to see everything Jesus did was as a minister. It was as a servant. When he was healing people, he wasn't getting glory for himself. He would even tell them, shh, don't tell anyone what I just did. Why? Because they would come and worship him. And he wasn't about getting worship. Did you realize that? At that time when Jesus walked the earth, he had no interest in people coming and bowing down and worshiping him. Because when they would do it, he'd be like, shh, don't tell anyone. I don't want everyone coming and making a fuss about me. Why? Because he says, it's for my father's glory. I'm here as a servant. So when he did things, when he served, he was serving. Everything he did was to serve. So we just want to do what he did. So four key things about the priesthood of all believers. Number one, we have direct access to God ourselves. There is no need for a go-between. For anyone to place themselves or a priestly hierarchy In between people and God is to do the very same thing the Pharisees did that caused Jesus to say, Woe to you, Pharisees! You set you place yourself between people that need me and me, and then you slam the door of the kingdom in their face. Woe to you! So that's what that's what the Lord's saying. Don't allow a ministry or a hierarchy to put themselves between you and God to because it. Always is about control. When we're afraid of people, we try to control them. When the church is afraid of sin, we try to control people so they don't sin. And we do, it's not out of an evil uh, intention of the heart, but it becomes evil through time because now the ministry is all about how can we keep people from sinning? How can we keep people from messing up? How can we insulate ourselves from people's sin when they mess up and disassociate so no one thinks that we're like them? And he says, don't let there be this hierarchy between you and me. Let's, let people come close to me. Don't set yourselves there, all right? Now, it does not reduce the role of ministry. Because I believe there is a role, and it is important to have people that are professional ministers. I, I think it's important. <laughs> Job security here, I think it's really important. The reason it's important is because I'm not here to speak for God to you. Can I say what God is saying? Yes, but so can you. I mean, there's, there, I really have no special skill set that you don't have. The only thing that I have is a responsibility to see ahead and try to to help guide, not control, but to guide and to equip and to strengthen you for what God's called you to do. My goal is not to to tell you what you're supposed to do. My goal is to say, how are you responding to God and how can I encourage that, strengthen that, build that up and how can I equip you to do it? That's what the ministry's here for. we say it all the time. It's not my job to feed the church. It's not a pastor's job or a prophet's job to feed the church. It's your job because you have direct access to God. Amen. You can hear his voice and you hear him really well. Did you know that you hear God probably way better than you realize? Did you know that. Along with this access, it means that you can get your needs met directly from God. Listen to me. You can get your needs met directly from God. That makes your wholeness your responsibility. Because you can go to God in any area of weakness and say, God, I have direct access to you. And I know that I'm not whole in this area. Or I'm broken in this area. And I need you to fix me right now. Now, can the church come along inside and help? Absolutely. That's what we're here to do. To stand so close to you that when you fall, you can't fall. That's what we're, that, that's what we're supposed to do. You ever been in a crowd where it's so crowded where if you needed to fall or move, you couldn't? You just Wherever the crowd took you, you went. That's what the church is supposed to be. Amen? Number two, we minister to God. How many, how many of you realize that you minister to God, you yourself? Your first ministry is to God. I love the song that Jen Johnson wrote a few years ago, and she just redid it. I like the original version. The What can I do for you? What can I bring to you? What kind of song would you like for me to sing? I'll dance a dance for you. I'll pour out my love. What can I do for you, beautiful king? It's, that, it's the picture of what we do for God. We minister to Him. God, what can I do for you today? How can I serve you, God? See, see, when we minister to God, it's all about doing His will. Part of that is we offer sacrifices of praise. Romans 12 tells us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. You guys okay? We're, we're almost there. We're, we minister to God. There's no higher calling for any human than to minister to the needs of God. God has needs, and he needs our love. I feel like I need to ask this. When's the last time you set up a ministry opportunity between you and God? Where it wasn't about you? (laughs) Because he is our minister, but man, let's not get it flipped here. It's not always about us. God, what do you need today? What can I do for you today, God? Amen. The third thing is, so when we minister to God, we also minister to other people. And I want to dive into this for a minute. Ministering to God and to others, they're anchored together, but they are not the same thing. I need to say this. This has been a thought that I've had in my notes for for a few months now. For me, I had to tell tell myself I had to learn this from God. He, He had to reveal this. Jared, when you minister at church, although everything is ministry to me, you're ministering to people. And it's very different than your personal ministry to me. Serving in the church, you're not serving God. You're serving people for God. Do you hear me? This is so important. It's so different. We, we have to get this. And I should spend more time on this maybe another time. But if you're a greeter, God... Didn't walk through the door. People walked through the door. And we're serving those people. We're ministering to those people. What can I do for you? How can I help you today? Does that make sense? Kyle and and the band and all them leading worship. It is to God. Our worship is absolutely directed to God. But they serve the church. They serve every one of you. They're ministering to you as well. It's very different. The, the, the focus is different. You guys okay? Serving the church, serving in ministry, as we classically define ministry, is very different than serving to the Lord. <clears throat> ministry to people is unique. And loving God is, is different than loving people. <laughs> Have you ever made the statement, it's really easy to love God, it's really hard to love some people. <laughs> well, it, Jesus told them, hey, How can you say you love God that you don't even see, yet you can't love your neighbor? He's like, basically, you're lying. You don't love God if you don't love your neighbor. As a matter of fact, Jesus discerned who his true disciples were by the love they showed to one another. So Jesus basically said, their ministry to me is very contingent upon how they minister and love one another. Let's go a little further. Jesus said, I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you visited me. I was naked. You gave me clothes. And they're like, Lord, when were you ever there? They felt horrible because they felt like they missed out on the trip to see Jesus in jail. Like what? They got it together and they didn't tell me. They were trying to set me up and make me look like a bad disciple. When were you thirsty? When were you in jail? When were you naked? He's like, if you did it to the least of these, you've ministered to me. So if you serve your, your neighbor, if you give them a cup of cold water, then it's like you did it for me. That's how Jesus sees ministering to other people. We have to have good people skills. Oh, so hard. Some people are really easy to deal with, right? Other people aren't as easy to deal with. And usually they're people that are just like us. <laughs> it's exactly true. And so usually we kind of butt heads with people that are very similar to who we are. Jesus loved to feed people. He loved to make wine at weddings for people. He was a great waiter. What did Jesus say to the disciples after the crowd had followed them, the 5,000? And they've been with us for a few days. What did he say to them? Y'all feed them. Y'all give them something to eat. You know what he was telling them? Wait on them. Minister to them. Why? Because it matters. It matters. You guys okay? Okay. We're closing down. <clears> 2 <throat> Corinthians tells us that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. What does the word reconciliation mean? To make wrong things right? It literally means to change Or to exchange one thing for another, to transform. So I'm going to be a little bit cheesy right now. Will you give me some leeway to be cheesy? I want you to hear this. I want us to to get this in our spirit, all right? We're like waiters and waitresses, all of us. We're ministers to God, we're ministers to people, and we're serving out reconciliation. We're making wrong things right, we're exchanging things for people. So, what would happen if you were at a restaurant? and you got something you didn't order, you'd send it back, and they would make sure to get you what you ordered, right? So here's my cheesiness. You bear with me. I'm very ashamed about what is about to happen. We're ministers of reconciliation. We're waiters. Oh, you don't like that sickness? Let me go to the kitchen and bring you healing. Let me exchange it for you. Again, I said I'm apologize for this. Wait, your marriage is growing cold, let me bring you a hot dish. It's cheesy, but it's what we do. You'll remember this. For better or worse, you will remember this. (laughs) How may I serve you? You didn't order this? You didn't ask for this? What would you really like? I can get you something else. You didn't ask for this lot in life. Let's shift it. That's who we are. We're ministers to people. We can do this. We don't make the dishes. We just serve it. (laughs) Hmm. (sighs) I'm glad the Bible says through the foolishness of preaching, men come to repentance. (laughs) (laughs) That was just for me. <laughs> Last thing. So, <clears throat> we have direct access to God. We minister to God. We minister to others. And we all have a prophetic voice. Everyone say, I have a prophetic voice. We should all prophesy. See, there are some people that don't yet know they can hear from God for themselves. So we prophesy over them. There are some bones that are dead. Some people that are just dead and they don't know how to live. And we're supposed to prophesy to the wind over them. It's part of our job. We're waiting tables. We're serving people. We're exchanging this for that. Isaiah 61. Instead of mourning, we give joy. Instead of despair, we bring peace. That's who we are. We're prophets. We're a kingdom of kings and priests. So what does prophecy do? It edifies. That means to build up. And it doesn't just, it doesn't mean to build up as an encourage. It means to build up as if you're building a house. Literally. To promote someone's growth. What else does prophecy do? It comforts. It brings encouragement. Strengthens. It cheers people on. What else is prophecy? It's to call people near, to call people up. It's to bring people instruction. Can you do those things? (laughs) You're ministers. You're a kingdom of kings and priests. And this matters. And my heart is that our church is filled with people that not only know they're a kingdom of kings and priests, but that we act like it. Not just in church. Church is a little bit weird. We see each other most weeks. We minister to each other most weeks in the same way. It's the same. I'm ready for more. I'm ready for something different. Where do we find that? Get outside of the church. Do it every day. Talk to people we don't ever see. Serve them. I don't know what to say. Maybe you don't say anything to them. Maybe you just respond to what they're saying. Which would require listening. (laughs) Won't you stand? God, I ask that you would awaken the bridge church, anyone connected to the bridge. Into our destiny of being kings and priests. Whether they work a corporate job, whether they're a stay at home mom, or they're a volunteer, God, reveal to them the ministry that they have to people and how it ministers to you. It matters. What we do matters, God. I know it does. You told us that if we were faithful in the little things, that you would make us stewards of larger things. So God, I ask that we would marry stewardship with ministry. I'm going to say that again. God, I pray that we would marry stewardship and ministry. I declare that you are ministers. You are a kingdom of kings and priests. I also say that the whole world's about to open up to you. You're just going to see things in a different light. Opportunity. Things you've been doing for years are suddenly going to take on a different meaning and feel for you. The light switch is going to come on. Oh, I've been doing this all along. And this is what I was doing. And now you're going to be. you're going to be, what's the word? You're going to be brought into the reality of the reward that comes with what you've been doing. He is the rewarder. And I I really feel this. Some of you are going to step right into the reality of, I have a reward for the things I've been doing because it was ministry to people, it was ministry to God. And that is going to... it's going to bring enthusiasm. It's going to bring new energy. It's going to energize you. <laughs> Why don't you pray for someone close to you end in, into that right there. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. This new energy is going to cause you to see a cloud the size of a man's hand in the middle of a drought that's going to bring a storm. It's just going to shift something. You know the Bible says that that those who minister and do ministry for the Lord deserve double honor. Have you heard that scripture? That means that every one of you, <laughs> every one of us that steps into the role as a kingdom of kings and priests, as ministers, then the Lord will begin to pour honor upon us and we'll bring, bring glory to the Father. Amen. Hmm. <clears throat> We're going to close it out. And if you need prayer for anything, come to the front. We do have communion. We have it the first of every month, and I always forget. And today it made it hard because they had it concealed. But if you would like communion, you can do this on your own here as part of our altar service. If you need someone to partner with you and pray with you, we want to do that. So please come to the front. Someone will will meet you here and find you. Um, Other than that, we just bless you. We bless the communion. I'm going to go ahead and pray for that. God, thank you for your blood. Why don't you just pray with me? Thank you, God, for your blood. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you because this is what gave me right to stand as a son or as a daughter, God. (laughs) Ha ha, thank you for it. We thank you for your body and for your blood. We thank you because by your stripes we were healed, we were made whole. Just like Mandy said earlier, God, we believe that. We pray that today as we partake of your body, as we remember you, and as we taste of your blood, God, that we will be reunited with you. And that something would shift inside of us, God. Connect us to the power of this We just thank you for who you are, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.